0: This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Just About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones. I'm an executive coach, and I wrote, Find Your Happy at Work. That's a book about small ways you can create big change in your career. Our focus today is the growing and evolving industry of health sciences. And our expert guest is John Snyder. He spent 30 successful years in, in various roles in biomedical and healthcare companies, including as a founder and a CEO. And throughout his career, John has been a mentor, a guest teacher, and a board member in many organizations. John is now Managing Director of Investor Relations at an association called Ohio Life Sciences. His focus is growing a thriving life science ecosystem in the state of Ohio. John will tell us about how the life science industry is changing and about the job opportunities it offers, and he'll share career advice as a successful entrepreneur and an active leader in community education. John, thank you so much for being here today. It's uh, great to have a conversation with you about things like the life science industry, which is something I don't know much about, But so thanks for being here.
0: Well, thanks, Bev. And, uh, Great to uh, be on the podcast, and I'm happy to share some of that um, as far as life sciences, but also happy to share my my background, I guess my my story, so to speak, and, and uh, really looking forward to the, the discussion here.
1: Well, let's begin with your story, because here at Just About Work, we always like to know how people got to where they are today and um, my recollection is that you started out at Ohio University as a communication student and then you went and very different directions. Can you kind of tell us how you built your career or sure. how it built itself? Yeah, maybe.
0: yeah. It's, it's always interesting where, you know, when you look at, and you know, the old the old adage, there's no straight line, and it's, it's pretty true, and it, probably in my case, you know, as well as so many others. But um, yeah, so I was a, a communication major at OU, and I think they said it was technically radio TV or maybe video production or you know the the overall sequence which you know when you think of radio tv just that phrase now it sounds like telephone and telegraph i mean it sounds like yeah you know it sounds like a versus you know the media content all the various uh, more updated majors but yeah so i was a communications major and uh, at ou and i i always knew i wanted to get into um, you know communications but more so marketing and advertising i always felt i was very creative from that standpoint, really enjoyed uh, you know, those sorts of, of areas as far as either you know print, but also you know TV and and uh, commercials and those sorts of things. And so I, I knew I wanted to get into that uh, post OU, uh, and OU was great with regards to that. Um, and I almost felt like I got a fine arts or liberal arts uh, major. You know, when you go to a, a traditional liberal liberal arts school. Um, it's kind of a comprehensive major. Um, and I think with OU, I've kind of put that together, uh, with my path there, as far as just my, my major, but also I ended up with minors in film and journalism. So again, always kind of creative and, and, uh, producing things and, and, and building things is, is kind of my, I guess my, my mantra or my sweet spot. And so, um, so i had three internships at ou as well one was at a tv station up here in in cleveland uh with a show called pm magazine where i was just a production assistant schlepping uh, equipment around setting up lights running the recorders you know being on site and and really learning what goes into a production um and then a news station in toledo where i also worked in their pr department uh and then the medical school at ou and uh that one was during actually taking classes and and back then you didn't have to have internships to graduate. to graduate, but I wanted things on my resume. Um, and so, uh, just got some great exposure to a variety of areas. Um, and then after graduating, uh, eventually got within a few months, got a job at a a small ad agency marketing communications firm up here in the Cleveland area. And, um, it was a great opportunity. allowed me to really hone my writing and producing ability with, um, advertising and marketing, messaging and, and commercials and those sorts of things, but also got into the whole sales and um, you know, presenting the process or presenting the concept of producing you know, a, a training tape for a, a large bank or uh, producing uh, commercials um, for um, anywhere from a mom and pop retail up to a uh, Um, you know, a large car dealership. So um, really honed my skills with presenting and and, uh, communicating uh, with that firm. And then I went to another firm after that to get more print related experience. And so when I was at these companies, I would realize, boy, this is a pretty cool client uh, that I'd be working with, for example, and would be great to work in their corporate marketing department, uh, be part of the overall team here. Because when you're Working in that that provider role, you know, you're working on that project, you're pitching it, you're producing it, you man- you're managing it, and then that project is done. And in, in parallel to that, you know, you have to bring in more business to the to the uh, agency. And so, um, it was one of those where you know you had various. Um, uh, points of, of interest as far as working with these companies. But then it was over until they're, they're ready to engage again. And so I always felt uh, there were some companies I worked with that it would be great to be a part of their efforts. So I was really kind of a, in a career path after about five years uh, of having that account exec work uh, and experience in marketing, where I was either going to continue that on, or I was going to try find a, a corporate marketing role um, based on a um, you know, exciting opportunity. And so, at that time, there was a company called Steris Corporation, which is now probably about two billion in annual revenue. Um, but this was '92, and uh, they were around 14 million. They had just gone public a few months before I joined them. But I joined them, and I was it was it was a company that was focused in um, uh, liquid chemical sterilization. And so, what that means is, if you remember minimally invasive surgery back in the Late '80s and throughout the '90s, it allowed surgery to be performed, and patients didn't need to spend you know a day, a, a night or two in the hospital. And so, uh, insurance companies loved it. It was better for the patient as far as recovery. And so, Steris developed a liquid chemical sterilization process that would sterilize these devices in 30 minutes. And the current standard was about 18 to 24 hours. So. Um, I joined Staris, uh as Employee 100 in 1992, and I was part of their first formed marketing group uh, running marketing communications for them. And I uh, had a lot of visibility with a variety of the folks in the company from you know, field sales, but also a lot of senior leadership. Uh, their founder, Bill Sanford, who is a great mentor to me, um, and Lloyd Breedlove and some other folks there, too. So it was just a great opportunity Um, You really felt a a true missionary pioneering effort. Um, And the company grew after I joined, not saying I was responsible for this, but the company grew with with very strong sales for the next few years. I think they topped out at 100 million at that point, And then they started acquiring a variety of other companies and became really comprehensive what they're offering to the healthcare life sciences uh, industry. And I left in 2000, and we had about 4,000 employees, and we probably had about 1.1 billion in revenue. So it was just a phenomenal experience. Uh, Steris was, was a culture that, um, if you showed the competency, competency and capability, they would promote you. And so I got promoted up through the ranks. I did a lot of work internationally uh, running international marketing and, and um, sales support, setting up uh, uh, subsidiaries in uh, UK, Italy and Germany uh, and then sales offices in Hong Kong. And it was just great, great exposure, great experience and education. I joke that I feel I got uh, three MBAs worth of, of knowledge in my eight years at, at Steris there, and then I left uh, in two thousand. I um, went to another company called Cyberonics.
1: This it, it really sounds like you had uh, many MBAs worth of experience. What we've all learned over the years is experiential learning is where it's at, mm-hmm. and and you were fortunate to have great experience. But I want to interrupt because um, I, I want to ask a, a, a broader question, and then we'll go on. But the life sciences industry is pretty complex. I I um, kind of thought of you as being connected to devices. And um, I, as I've looked around and preparing to chat with you, I realized, oh gosh, there are all kinds of things. So when you refer to the life sciences industry or company, what What does that encompass?
0: Yeah, so that, I mean, you're right. I mean, it it encompasses uh, med device, um, some med devices or med tech, uh, pharmaceuticals, um, uh, labs, digital health, uh, gene and cell therapy, uh, even agricultural technology as well. Um, And then, and, and those are in the public and private sector. But then you have also all the institutions that touch that. Um, I think I mentioned labs, but also, you know, your your uh, areas of higher learning with academic institutions and, and even, you know, R&D facilities uh, like a Battelle, for example, in Columbus. So it's extremely expansive, um, as you mentioned, uh, Bev. And um, yeah, a lot of my exposure was in uh, med device, med tech, um, some health IT, uh, some consumable related, uh, which would probably be along the lines of more of a therapeutic, um, even implantable uh, neurostim, uh, for example, where I've probably spent about half of my 30 year career. Uh, and um, all that falls under the whole life sciences umbrella. So it's very, very expansive there. Um, and that's probably so What one of the most exciting things about it is that there's just so many different roles and opportunities and, and, and parts that one can play in that, in that world there.
1: So, so what inspired you to change jobs from spirits when you had such a uh, vibrant experience there? Where where did you go next?
0: So my next step after that was a company called Cyberonics and now it's called Leva, Nova, uh, L-I-V-A, N-O-V-A. But uh, Cyberonics was very, so when I joined Steris, it was a very, uh, fast-paced, high-growth, um, high-energy type of culture, and as as what happens as companies get larger and larger, it became more operational. Um, and so, um, I didn't feel I was really probably being challenged as much, or uh, truly had that that earlier type of environment, just based on the normal growth of the company as they become you know very large. And so, um, there was an opportunity to totally look at a different area of the life science or med- medical device uh, arena with cyberonics. And so cyberonics developed an implantable neurostimulation. So an electrical stimulation device, very much like a pacemaker. Um, and it was implanted in the body, but it would provide a, a uh, pulse of electricity programmed to go on every so many minutes for so many seconds to a specific nerve in the body called the vagus nerve, kind of like Las Vegas, but it's uh, Vegas. vagus. It's Latin, which means the wanderer, but um, uh, it was shown that if you would stimulate that nerve, you could have some therapeutic effect for patients with intractable epilepsy. And so, patients who did not have a surgical option um, for their therapy for their uh, epilepsy, or they did not have a um, uh, response to the the anticonvulsants, this was a great option for them. And so, I went from a company that basically had a lot of capital and consumable equipment with Steris as it grew over time to an implantable neurostimulation device prescribed by um, neurologists implanted by neurosurgeons. So totally different areas. And then when I look at my career, you know, the the 30 years, every job I took was usually something that I either had not had exposure to before, uh, either in that industry or in that role. And I always wanted to build my skill set. So I felt I was Pretty comprehensive, in my understanding of business and operations, especially in this you know this umbrella of life sciences. And so, I was with them as regional marketing director, and then sales management, um, and then uh, national account uh, management as well. Um, and that just again just continued to build my exposure to um, to that sort of uh, technology. And now there's dozens of neurostimulation therapies out there, deep brain stimulation, spinal cord stimulation. You may even see commercials for one called Inspire, which is for sleep apnea. Um, so they're very much becoming more and more accepted and utilized because they're so safe for patients and they're very effective uh, therapeutically. But, um, uh, but yeah, that's why I went from Steris to um, Cyberonics, just because it was, it was also a high growth company. And I enjoy that stage of of development uh, for a company, you know, where things are growing, things are building. Um, And uh, uh, after that, went to another company, a startup here in the Cleveland area called Imolux, uh, which was focusing on um, optical coherence tomography or OCT, which you hear a lot more about these days. But back then we were the second company that was really commercializing that. Um, But that was an opportunity to work with the founders of Staris again. And, Um, so it was a small company. We had just received FDA approval. We were getting ready to launch, uh, the technology, uh, raising money. Uh, and and at that time it was pretty challenging to raise funding, uh, in the healthcare space and med devices. Um, and then I ended up taking a position with a really well-funded company called Cardinal Health in Chicago and, uh, was with them for about a year running, um, uh, marketing for one of their uh, divisions up in Chicago. Um, But when I was there and had moved the company to our family to Chicago, we were all loving it up there professionally my next position or two was was then moved to Columbus, Ohio. So I was going to have to move the the family again. Didn't want to do that based on the stage that where my kids were at, they were in junior high and uh, elementary school and um, didn't want to move them again. So I felt kind of professionally stuck there in that role and uh, after about a year i um reconnected with uh, folks in my network um, and there's this group there was this group out of cleveland or northeast ohio called bio enterprise and think of it as a life science um, accelerator um, support organization connected with everything in Northeastern Ohio here regarding life sciences from companies to labs, to pharmaceutical companies, medical device companies, uh, funders, so venture capital, um, and also institutions. And I joined them as a CEO in residence. And as a CEO in residence, um, my goal was to go out and find technology and make the business case for it, uh, really create the vision and uh, go ahead and lead that company. And so uh, in late 2008, in October, by that time, about 10 months in, into this role, I looked at about two dozen different technologies in neurostimulation for moon therapy to um, sleep apnea to chronic pain and what I licensed in ended up becoming the basis for a company that I formed in October of 2008 called Neuros Medical, uh, which can basically stop the nerve transmission um, using their this high frequency stimulation. Um, and so as a result, I was able to form the company in late 2008, which was a horrible time to form a new startup in the life science space, that was pre-revenue, because as you know, that was the Great Recession. Uh, But I was able to cobble together $2 million of investment uh, throughout 2009 through funds in Ohio uh, and Cleveland. And with that, um, built the team out to a few folks. And we developed our first device and we did our first study in Dayton, Ohio. And uh, the specific area of pain that we're talking about is amputation pain. So phantom limb pain, residual limb pain, which is a Very sizable market. There's about a total of 2 million amputees in the U.S., and that number continues to grow with diabetes and vascular issues. But um, uh, we did our first study down in Dayton and had significant uh, results with that. And that really kind of paved the way to move forward and do a larger study, raise more funding. And so I led the company for about 10 years and uh, transitioned to an advisor role a few years ago, um, after having raised about $40 million in venture capital and uh, strategic partner funding. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Master's in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash its School.
1: I want to ask about how you went from big company employee to being an entrepreneur and launching a company. It, it sounds to me like for you, That was a gradual transition. You were very entrepreneurial, meaning that you were looking for ways to grow and find new things and expand in all of your corporate jobs. And you learned what it was like to do all the aspects of a company. And you were pretty well prepared when you launched your own company, you were a founder of something. Is, Is that how it happened or was it really scary just like it is for lots of people? It,
0: it was, it was uh, both of those things. It was, it was scary because you're um, you know, people talk about a big company and you know, the, the safety of that uh, or stability. Well, I mean, I've been at big companies before when they've decided in a board meeting to ax a division and you have no control or visibility into that. Um, so, you know, when you're putting your own initiative together, number one, I, I love building new solutions with regards to life sciences and really having an impact in that. Um, yeah, I've been at companies where uh, I was leading marketing and we were developing the next Me Too, and that just wasn't interesting to me. Um, and so with this, yeah, it was one of those where I was, you know, Steris had a very entrepreneurial feel, and so did Cyberonics. Very high energy, um, you know, it was not rote, it was not downstream, it was very much, you know, upstream activity, because we were developing new technologies, new therapies for patients that really didn't have uh, any options, and so, you know, with that, um, you felt you were always on something that was innovative, and uh, versus, like I said, just kind of being the next, Medical device that there's 15 other ones out there. And so, um, so I always enjoyed that sort of environment as far as work. Um, And yeah, you're right. I mean, I, and when I looked at me eventually putting my own company together, because I knew I wanted to do that, but I knew I wasn't ready yet. I knew I needed more exposure to areas like reimbursement and, um, uh, you know, clinical study and really launching in, in these certain areas that. You know, that's really when I looked at these roles, I continued to kind of build that skill set and knowledge. But it was scary because, you know, you make the decision, say, I'm going to put something together. Um, you know, the funding is always a challenge uh, when you don't have revenue. Um, there's a lot of other um uh, challenges as well with, with regards to will it even work and if it doesn't work you know do you get the scarlet letter that you're the founder of a failed therapy or failed company and so I think in Cleveland for example we've done a great job with getting past that last point um, you know, there have been companies and technologies that um, haven't worked and you know I, now I don't think that the the environment up here in in northeast ohio looks at a, looks at the person who founded it and put it together, um, you know, any differently. And so, which is good. I mean, we need to have that environment of, of innovation and taking those, those risks. And I've been on the board of other companies that, um, the technology, uh, didn't translate out of the institution. And, you know, there was no, no harm, no foul there because it was more or less great experience, great knowledge. And sometimes the therapies just don't work or the solutions don't work when you take them out of, uh, you know, the institution, the preclinical stage and get them into that, you know, uh, human testing stage. So, um, I, it, it was scary, but it was also, you know, back then you're wondering, okay, if this doesn't work, I'm sure I can get another position somewhere, um, and move things forward. But luckily it did. We had a great pain reduction in our first study and our second study, uh, patients were even coming off their, um, narcotic pain meds. Um, so it was, it was just really significant. And, uh, um, uh, again, it was just one of those where we were fortunate to have, uh, really strong results. Um, it was really good science that it was based on and all of that, I think, uh, plus a really focused mission and being very capital efficient, you know, since we were born in the great recession, um, you know, we didn't raise 50 million and, and hire 20 engineers. We, like I said, raised, uh, 14 million initially, uh, over time and, and, got through a first phase of our big 200 patient trial. So, uh, we were really capital efficient, did a lot with, uh, the funds that were invested in the company there. So, um, but yeah, it, it was, it was definitely both of those items um, as far as it, as far as, you know, the, the process, but then also, you know, the, the fear of, of failure there.
1: Well, I have two questions now and they're totally different. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, the environment uh, for entrepreneurial activity in Ohio mm-hmm. in the field, because mm-hmm. I know that that's where you're focusing on a lot now, but, 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 I had one question that occurred to me earlier. You mentioned at STERIS you had a, a great mentor and there were other mentors. And I, I know from um, knowing about your uh, activity as a, a, a very active community member that you do a lot of mentoring and uh, speaking in classes and things like that. Did your early experience um, help you uh, understand the role mentoring can play and, and learning from others. And has that been a theme in, in your career as you're trying to kind of go and build your own MBAs? Have you been relying on the mentorship of others and now you're passing it on?
0: Yeah, and, and I think the you know when I, when I mentioned mentors, I mean there these are people that I've looked up to and had heavy contact with, and it wasn't a formal. Mentor, mentor, e type of relationship, but it was more or less it just happened organically. And um, you know, in the way I look at it is that um, I think it's important to pay it forward. And um, you know, I've had great experience working for great, some really great leaders, um, and even some not not so great leaders. And you still learn from those in those environments too. Um, but uh, you know, I think in my mind it's so important to pay it forward because of just the impact that they had in my career, in my life, and so um, and that's something that I I feel needs to be shared. And so I share that, like you said, I'll I'll engage you know with the institutions, various classes. Um, you know both graduate level and and conferences and those sorts of things because i just think that the the areas and those nuggets of knowledge and experience that we have it's important to um share that with others just to just to help them and their in their uh, their path going forward because we're we're only on this earth for so long and um and i always have you know, a thought in my mind that you know, people call it the rocking chair test but you know you're sitting on your back porch or your front porch or wherever and you're thinking you know what did I do while I was here on this earth you know did I just go through the motions or did I really truly have an impact on society or humanity and um, again I just think it's important to share those those experiences so that others can learn from it and um, you know maybe they they benefit from that so um, you know I think that's just a Part of my makeup my dna and so if you look at my background yeah it's been in, in industry and business but also i'm also on a variety of nonprofit boards from you know ymca up here in uh, in cleveland area or lake county but um you know community college foundations and um even ou's uh, advisory board for the business school which is funny because i didn't go through their business school but um uh you know i'm on their advisory board and so I just feel it's important to engage um, and help those share your experiences, because you just never know. Maybe that little kernel of information uh, will be, you know, extremely help, extremely helpful for them as they go forward there.
1: Well, I have I have two final um, questions. One is, uh, as I mentioned, what does it take? What kind of environment provides a a robust life sciences industry and but then the the final question I know that our listeners at least some of them out there might be wondering about is what about jobs for um, young people coming up mm-hmm. what about jobs for people who might want to shift career direction mm-hmm. so wh- and those things are kind of related what's the environment now for growth for the industry and how does that translate? Into jobs down the road.
0: Yeah. So, the, and those are definitely related uh, and connected. There, um, when you look at uh, the environment, I mean, uh, the group I'm with now it's called Ohio Life Sciences. So uh, we just rebranded uh, about a week ago. Um, it used to be called Bio Ohio, but it's been around since '87, and it is the life science trade association for Ohio. Uh, and we're really focused on some key areas, um, you know, convening getting those, those stakeholders in the life sciences uh, environment here in Ohio together. Um, and we used to have some groups that would do that previously uh, in the state, but those groups are no longer around, unfortunately. But we look at it as our role to, you know, connect the institutions with the, with the uh, companies, with the, the funders, you know, with the, the government uh, uh, contacts, and convene those groups and, and make sure that they're talking. Um in order to move the life sciences forward here in Ohio versus having insular silo type of, of activity. Um, so OLS, as as I'll call it, um, you know, that's one of our key areas. Also, it's it's advocating for the industry and creating that awareness. Uh we have so many great things going on here in Ohio from a research standpoint. Um, and then if you look at areas like uh, Intel um, manufacturing or setting up fabrication plants, I think they're going to go to five or six within the next two years. Uh, Amgen has just announced a, a big facility and broken ground on that. Um, so there's so much growth here in Ohio and, and at various areas, you know, the big, com- the big cities, but also the, the various regions, too. Um, and it's important that we make other parts of the U.S., aware of that, because there's there's just great um, activity here. Uh, and it's a very business-friendly climate um, with regards to that. Uh, but when you look at areas like um, uh, uh, job opportunities or career opportunities, workforce is a, is a key area of focus, not only for OLS and creating that awareness and putting initiatives together um, in order to, to support that But it's a big initiative everywhere in the state. All the various organizations, uh, either uh, foundations or trade organizations, whatever they are, everybody's looking at workforce development, uh, even the state government. And it's on everybody's mind um, and everybody's taking a, a hard look at that as far as what do we need to do? to make that junior high student see that there's an opportunity in a specific area. You know, in ours, it's life sciences, and there are so many roles uh, in life sciences. I mean, you can graduate um, and perhaps have an apprenticeship as part of your senior year, and with that, you might be employed by a manufacturing company that does work in medical devices or life sciences. Or you can go to a community college uh, for a two-year degree and be an occupational therapy assistant and have a really nice salary there. Um, And it doesn't require four or six or eight years of of, uh, study after that. So uh, workforce development is extremely key uh, here because a lot of the companies um, are actually starting to take it on themselves and putting uh, apprenticeship uh, programs together where they're hiring students out of high school and they have a path so that these pay, these students can see what's next. And, you know, our goal and the goal of many other groups in Ohio, including the government, is to um, really communicate what that what's next is. And it's happening from, you know, the medical schools. It's happening from the colleges and universities. It's also happening in the private sector because uh, it's just so key Um Uh, to make sure we have that workforce available to move all these great ideas and and great technologies and therapies forward here. So I think they're definitely, um, you know, interconnected there.
1: And like you illustrated, you don't have to be a scientist or a practitioner of some sort. You can be in communications or have other skills uh, because um, companies need these things. So if people are looking for a field where there might be growth and, and entrepreneurial activity, it, it, it sounds like you're saying that the um, health sciences could be a, a field, even if what you want to do is marketing or oh, it's, human resources yeah. yes, or something. E-
0: exactly. I mean, there are so many areas that are not based in the lab um, with regards to life sciences and you know, customer facing roles from sales and marketing, uh, customer support, um, even uh, field service um all those areas I mean that those are just some some you know key areas of a variety of life science companies out there but yeah you don't have to have a chemical degree or chemistry degree or even a biology degree uh to get into some of these these companies and at one of these organizations going forward i mean it's just and that's one of the things too with you know science and technology there's a lot of initiatives where they're trying to get that exposure to students uh, early in in the junior high setting um, and even up through, you know, the the college ranks, the community college ranks, so they can understand, you know, what the options are out there. And I'm, like I said, I'm on the board of a, a foundation with Lakeland Community College, and that community college student is, has a specific profile. Usually they're about 26 or 28 years of age. Uh, many times they're the first person that's gone to college in their family and just making them aware of, you know, a two year degree. They can be a medical technician uh, working in a hospital um, and having a great career and really enjoying it and having good benefits. And so, and, you know, in a good working environment. So it's just making them all aware of what those opportunities are. And I think that's really the, the push with everyone in the state here to, to create that awareness. And, and Bev, this goes back to, you know, my third, my second job at, after Starris workforce need was a big requirement even back then. And this is in 2004, 2005. So several years ago. Um, And, you know, it's been around for a while, but it looks like there's so many folks that are really focusing on it now in Ohio, different groups, different foundations, different uh, uh, organizations in order to to create that awareness, put those training programs together in order to uh, truly build up that that workforce um, contingent so that, uh, you know, we can continue to move this uh, Ohio life science effort forward and all the other various verticals, you know, in Ohio as well.
1: Well, there are lots of interesting opportunities out there. So for people who are thinking about, you know, career possibilities, it's, it's, this is a a really interesting field and I, I really appreciate you being here John to share how you made your way to some very interesting and successful places and to let us know a little bit about this huge area of um, career potential thank you so much well
0: thanks Bev it's been a pleasure and I mean I could talk to you for two hours on this (laughs) so uh, but thanks I was honored I was honored to be on the podcast and uh, again thanks for thanks for the time and the interest and hopefully uh, it was helpful and sparked some ideas and and, uh, interest for those listening
1: well it was very helpful and I wish you well in your new role and it'll be interesting to see what you do next thanks a lot bye-bye Today, we've been talking with John Snyder about the evolving life sciences industry. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones, author of Find Your Happy at Work. Today's tip is that an excellent way to expand your network is to look for ways to be helpful, including as a mentor to people in your field or anywhere around your community. Thanks for listening to Jazzed About Work. And if you enjoy our show, please come back soon.